Welcome to Philly Prime. I'm Dave Schratweiser. This week, joining us again, Deputy Police Commissioner Ben Nash. We had a very, very interesting conversation last week about what the police department's doing to uh, keep up with the violence that's going on in Philadelphia. And we're going to continue that uh, in this show and talk about the probably the second most um, nefarious thing going on in Philadelphia these days, uh, besides the shootings and the homicides. So third, um, the carjackings, Ben, and we talked about that a little bit in the first show. Uh, we have a task force dealing with that now. We have uh, great communication going on between the detective divisions trying to catch up to the carjackers, and it's a big number. I believe last year the number was around 800, and that was a huge jump from the last two years. Uh, I know this is deeply concerning to you because it's happening on a regular basis, um, but the department is doing some things. First, your thoughts about the carjackings. They're happening pretty much everywhere in every neighborhood in Philadelphia. Yeah, Dave, it's great to be back with you. And and the carjackings are really happening all over the city. There's not just one one place where we can say it's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will say it's important to note that it's a small group of people yeah. that are responsible for a vast, vast majority. And you mentioned already the big jump from the previous year, uh, or at least... In fact, 2021 was a big jump from 2020, mm-hmm. and so far already, yeah, we're we're over 300 in in 2022, and we don't even have three months in the books yet. Yeah, um, so that's a scary concern, uh, very concerning at this point. But what I will say is that we are seeing a positive downward trend in a big way, mm. um, not as big as I'd like to see, but in a, I'll say in a significant way, mm. and you know. Uh, it's no secret uh, early in the year we were seeing a pattern and we talked we talked in the last episode uh, about the great work of homicide and our shooting investigation group and there's probably no single case that's that that talks more about cooperation just within the police department and outside of the police department um, than the investigation um, involving the the terrible carjacking homicide of George Rosella mm-hmm. and that happened in, in, in February. Right. And we and we use forensic uh, information and evidence to to tie a number of shootings uh, together um, with that were hap- resulting in carjackings. And then we use technology um, and then we were able to identify who the ringleader was. And that was really done through our partners at the FBI. I mean, they were amazing. We had uh, an agent, a special agent was working full time with our carjacking group and with the homicide unit. Uh, I think he was working 27 hours in a day. It was just, um, he didn't stop, especially as we got to the point. I mean, he literally he was working around the clock, mm. um, 24 hours straight um, for a number of days in a row. And we identified who the ringleader was. And then we identified who the, who his crew was. We took them off the street. And that has been a significant, de- caused a significant decrease uh, up front. And, but we're also arresting other people. And, and when I say other people, if you listen, we do the, the biweekly uh, mayor's press conference. I talk about homicides. I talk about who we've arrested and who we, who we want. And then I now talk about the carjackings every other week. And I, I, I will name them if I can. I, I don't name the juveniles. Right. Um, I, I don't put their pictures up. There's the reason I don't put their pictures on is because we're still looking at almost anybody that we arrest for other incidents, other carjackings. Um, but I name them. And this is the, the, the really disturbing part. In the last episode, we talked about yeah. young people, youths 
being responsible and being involved in violent crimes. And we're seeing 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds, and 15-year-olds actually doing carjackings. And, and, and if there's a 14-year-old driving away in a car, chances are they're going to crash the car because they just don't know how to, they haven't gotten to the point where they're good drivers. Mm. Um, so we've, we've arrested people because they fled and they crashed the car. They couldn't handle it. Uh, but it's really troubling and it's troubling across the country. And I, I just want to emphasize the point. Philadelphia is not alone. In not this at all. Issue. Not at all. It's big in, in L.A. It's big in Chicago. It's big in Chicago's jump was huge, uh, bigger than Philadelphia's, if I if I'm correct. Uh, this is a nationwide right. problem. There's no doubt about it. You are right. So th- that's a big issue. And, yeah. and we're and then you mentioned our carjacking task force. Um, it was it was even before. Uh, the, the terrible murder of George Bissell up in the Northeast. And we identified, hey, we, we've got we've got something that's going to take some special attention to it. Um, sometimes we're, we, you know, maybe somebody will say, hey, you were a little bit slow on that. Well, maybe we were. But you know what? When we got up and running, we put a, a group together and that's all they're focusing on. And that's and they're continuing to focus on that. We're going to make a lot more arrests based on the carjackings that have already happened. We're seeing a different cut. We're seeing. We're starting to see a real drop off in the carjackings, but they're not quite the same. We're taking some of our bad actors off the street these days, and, and they're not, and they're not getting back on the street either. And a, and a lot of times they're uh, not one carjacking, but uh, two, three, uh, several. We had a couple over the weekend at uh, Philadelphia Mills Mall with a woman nineteen and a juvenile seventeen who may be tied to other cases. That juvenile was out on probation for. Another carjacking was actually wearing an ankle monitor. Uh, you and I talked briefly about this yesterday uh, on the phone. Uh, your thoughts, we are seeing some of these juveniles wearing ankle monitors who are involved in carjackings. Uh, the question begs the question kind of who's watching them. Uh, do we need to do a better job of doing that? I don't want you to criticize people, but do we need to do a better job? Yes, there are challenges with carjackings uh, that have sometimes led to these issues, especially with youth offenders. Right. Um, and that is we may stop somebody who shouldn't be driving a car, period, and then they're driving a car that was taken in a carjacking. But that doesn't mean that we have enough evidence at that time to charge them with the carjacking itself. We still have to build the case. And and. It, there's a number of elements that go into that. And sometimes it takes longer than, than not. So they don't get charged necessarily up front with the carjacking or if they do, a, or, or if they do a carjacking without a weapon, sometimes um, they, they may not stay in as long as we would like to see them stay in. So there's a number of reasons why, especially the juveniles, the youth offenders have been able to get out um, and we've seen them reoffend. And, and that's a really sad, uh, it's a really sad indictment on, on the system because the idea especially with the juveniles, is that we're going to hold them accountable and get them on the right track. And sometimes we fail at that. So the system fails. Yeah, yeah. And, and these are the consequences. And you talked about teenagers driving cars at that age, 13 and 14. If they have a gun, that's even more troubling than them driving a car. Most of these young kids uh, do not know how to handle a weapon, have not been trained in using a weapon. And oftentimes that leads to some, uh, some terrible consequences, uh, either for the victim and or for them. Uh, in in situations, I have some like we talked about seven different times, carjackers have been shot back at by uh, folks think knowing they were being robbed and had a license to carry. Or I think one case, maybe they didn't. 
um, that kind of thing. So it's a dangerous situation, and it's happening so quickly. And they jump up on people, put a gun to the through the car window or right at the car window, and people look up and you're startled. And next thing you know, you're being boosted out of your car. Sometimes you're being taken. The case in Philadelphia Mills Mall. They were taking people to ATMs and withdrawing money, kidnapping, in addition to carjacking. Yeah, that was happening in the one the one you're referencing. Yeah. Uh, in this case, it's unusual. It was, it was an adult female. Yeah. A juvenile male. Mm. And they did it numerous times, um, and they were they were using the threat of force. Um, I can tell you that the young woman is in is in custody in adult custody under significant bail. Uh, and the juvenile remains in juvenile custody. Uh, and, and, you know, you talk about where is it happening? And, and um, the majority of, of the times uh, is when there are, people are just about to pull up and, and they are parking or they're about to get into their car. Right. So that's that's the that's the biggest uh, frequency time that we're seeing it happen. And then we also have people who are doing the food deliveries. Yeah. That's happening a lot. Northeast and Philly, that was a big problem uh, late in sometimes last year and again earlier this year, correct? Your old turf. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's happening in Northeast Philly. It's, it's happening in other places as well, but yeah, it's, it's definitely happening in Northeast Philly. Um, oh, here's my, 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 uh, the incidence of, I can tell you this, the incidence of parked or parking a vehicle mm-hmm. is accounting for two thirds of all the carjacking incidents. And, the next highest uh, type of a of a type of of a carjacking is when they're doing a food delivery, and that's amounting for thirteen percent so far this year. Okay. Um, so those two account for the vast majority of the types uh, of the times that somebody's being carjacked, and um, and people, you know, everyone wants to know, well, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Yeah, that's where I was going. Uh, Go ahead, give us some advice for folks. Keep your head on a I, swivel to begin with. Yeah. Put your head on a swivel, but be aware of your surroundings when you are parking. And, and that's hard to say. I mean, for some of these, these are people who are parking in, near their homes. So, you know, it's just that you have to be aware. Sometimes if you go by and you see people that you, you're, you're going to take a parking space and I don't know, I just passed a couple of people that make me feel uncomfortable, go somewhere else. Yeah. Or maybe you can call a member of your family to come on outside and meet you at the car. Mm. If you're parking at home, if you're parking in a shopping area or or somewhere that's not near your home, then maybe it's time to drive around the block. See if that person is still there. If you don't feel comfortable, don't park there. Don't do that. I mean, it, it kind of goes along with that saying, you know, from law enforcement, we say, uh, if you see something, say something. If you see something, do something in this case, do something different. But you have to be aware. Don't You shouldn't be just yapping on their phone or, unless you want to. Let's get to the point where you're aware of it. And you want to be calling a loved one and say, "Hey, I'm parking right now. I'm at this location. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. It might help." But the, the problem is that, and the reason I mention that is, is oftentimes the carjacking individuals they recognize that the phone is the first thing that you're going to go to to try and thwart their efforts or I or get them identified. So they are taking the phones, mm. but you should have the phone on you. Either be whether it's talking on the phone because you're aware of, of your situation. Um, and if you were to be carjacked, you'd be like the person on the other end would know. They would call nine one one. 
Yeah. My loved one was just at, at this location, yeah. and I think something happened. It could help it get yeah. the police there faster. All right. Arrests definitely going up on carjackings, and I noticed uh, the folks who are getting arrested are getting hit with multiple carjackings. No doubt that's the trend on the arrests right now. They are because that's part. That's a result of our carjacking task force. There, if we arrest somebody live on one job, meaning we, we caught them in the act nearby, we know that's probably not the first one they did. Mm. So we're going back and we're we're showing um, we're, we're tracing them back to other carjackings and we're getting them uh, charged appropriately with other offenses that they committed, um, and then they're getting high bails. And the high bails are starting to stick on these offenders. Um, as I the the one you mentioned about the Philadelphia Mills, yeah, uh, I believe that with everything that the young woman was hit with, it amounted to bail uh, near a uh, one point five million dollars. Okay, since you're talking about bail now, and I promise we talk about the district attorney a little bit. Uh, he made a big point uh, the last couple of big announcements he's made about how high the bail was set on some of the offenders that you guys are bringing cases to him. And let's say this: there's been a lot of credit, criticism of Larry Krasner. I'm not asking you to criticize here, but um, his goal, if you listen to him, and he just did a recent interview with Jeff Cole on Fox 29, which was an excellent interview. Jeff, as you well know, knows how to press somebody and knows how to ask questions and usually gets his answer. And Larry Krasner at least sounds like a, a big portion of what he's trying to do is build better cases to go to court with so that the cases stick. Um, he has some other issues that I don't believe that's an appropriate answer for. Um, and we'll talk to him some point at that uh, about that. But he was on with Jeff the other day. He did call this right now the worst spike in gun violence he's seen uh, in, in quite a while. And he talked about guns in there. Um, you guys took 6,000 guns off the street last year, 6,000 guns, which is – 2,000 used to be a good number, 2,500, 6,000 guns. Yet we still have – the, the, the stream of violence and the mayor constantly is talking about guns. T talk to us your perspective on guns and, and the root of this problem. Is, is it just the guns? Well, I mean, we had 562 murders last year, and I believe it was 502 of them were by gun. Mm. So gunshots are killing people. And I'm not going to say that there's plenty of people that believe that there are plenty of people that have the right to carry a gun and that's all good. I believe in that wholeheartedly, mm -hmm. but there are too many people that don't have a right to carry a gun. At least in this Commonwealth, they're not licensed to carry it on their, on their person um, or they're not eligible. And the ones who aren't eligible, that means that they've been convicted of a crime that makes them a prohibited person from carrying a gun, a prohibited right. offender. Mm -hmm. And too often, those people that ha have guns um, and shouldn't have guns, things happen with the guns. I mean, the people aren't getting shot because because nobody has a gun. If you see a correlation, as you mentioned it, mm -hmm. almost 6,000 guns were taken off of the street. Now, that doesn't mean that, that that's crime guns, and that could be from search warrants where we took multiple guns off the, off of a, of a search, or, somebody, or there might have been two guns with somebody. But when we're... Arrest, we're still arresting a lot of people for illegally carrying a gun, and we're taking a lot of guns off the street, and we're still seeing violent crime. Correlation is you, you, you see the connection, and, the, and both numbers go up at, at a similar type of a rate. 
And we're not getting all the illegal guns off the street that are out there. We're missing tons of them. Mm. It just means that there are tons and tons of guns. Well, I shouldn't say there are a lot of guns on the street. Yeah. And with that, go a corresponding level of a lot of gun violence. And all I can say is, look, I respect his, his Mr. District Attorney's um, idea. We want to build stronger cases, too. We want to hand them the strong cases. We want them to turn those strong cases that we deliver into strong prosecutions that result in convictions so that people who are committing crimes are held accountable for their actions. But we might not always see exactly eye to eye that, 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 there's, that, the, that the guns aren't the problem. The guns are the problem. Mm. The guns are out there. And with that goes, if, if people who shouldn't be carrying guns feel like not a lot is going to happen to them if they get caught illegally carrying the gun, then that may be a problem. Okay. So he said for every gun taken off the street, two guns are purchased the same time period, same day legally. Okay. We'll get, we'll make that point. It's a good point. It's probably factually driven. I believe it is. I think he said the number came that came from the police department. He also said that he didn't believe arresting people for possession of a weapon, uh, and, he, and I'm paraphrasing, um, was the way out from under this violence, that putting people away for possession of a gun and getting high bail and arresting them and sending them to jail was how to do this. He believes the way to do it is to solve the shootings and solve the murders, which you guys are now making very good progress at. And I, I see his point in that he wants to build better cases. So does the police department. The police department always wants to hand the district attorney's office the best case possible. Now, can they do that now? He talked about DNA. He talked about video. He talked about witness statements. He talked about all the things that you guys are now doing to hand them good cases. But when you say that arresting people for illegally carrying a firearm is not, I won't say important, but is is not a driving thing that would stop people or make them have pause to do it again if they got a significant sentence or a high bail or that. I have to disagree. I mean, I've been around the police department for a long time. I've been doing this for a long time. I've been in the streets of Philadelphia for a long time. Uh, you must send a signal that you can't carry a gun on a street corner and just shoot anybody you want. And if you don't face any consequences for that, I'm sorry. Somebody's going to do it again, and they are doing it again. Look at some of these repeat offenders. It's ridiculous. Some of them, some of these carjacking guys have four and five arrests for carjacking. I mean, you know, it's just that that's the facts, you know, so I don't you're, know. you're making my case. So I'll let you keep on making. It. No, it's, I, I just uh, you, look, you know, look, you know what I, I respect. And, and, mm -hmm. and I know that, that he has the the idea is sound. We're going to put the people who are committing the violent crimes away for committing the violent crimes. Right. The problem is that I think there's been lately a, a, a bit of a of a open season out there for mm -hmm. for crime for violent crime and i do believe that a message is important mm -hmm. and i think that 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 could come from the prosecutor's office to to be a little bit stronger and in, in in sending the message that we're not going to tolerate you for carrying an illegal gun mm -hmm. you know, illegally carrying a gun is it's important to note yeah and and we we have to do a better job all around look you're you're right you said it before we've got to make better gun we've got to make better cases on the gun side mm -hmm. uh, on the gun arrest and we've got to do a better job at the prosecution side. Um, we're working in that in that direction. We have we meet regularly with the DA's office. I have a very close connection 
Um, we've made significant strides in making our cases better. Mm. And there's more that we could do. I'll be the first one to say yep. um, we have our faults, but the, the, the guns are killing, the guns are shooting and ultimately killing people. We got to get more of them off the street. We got to stop people from having readily, readily access to it mm. at the time of it. But at the end of the day, the person who's intent, who's doing essentially an assassination, that person is going to get a gun. They're going to find their target. They're going to find the opening and they're going to take their shot and they're going to do it. And that's where you see you, you talked about multiple fired, multiple shots, multiple FCCs at these scenes where, where somebody is unloading one gun or there's two or three shooters and they're all unloading guns. And we see all these FCCs all around the shooting scene. Um, we got to get those people off the street, yeah. and and that's what we're working towards. There's no shortage of guns. There's absolutely no shortage of ammunition. If you see somebody shooting, seen 70, 80, 90 shots. Uh, Mr. Krasner also made the argument that instead of instead of spending sixty thousand dollars on incarcerating an individual for a year, why don't we spend it on education, rehabilitation, job training? He makes a good point there. Uh, he's a progressive prosecutor. They're electing them all over the country, as he said during the interview. They're even getting reelected. Um, and his point is that some of that money could be spent better to prevent these things from happening. And I'm just giving him his due here. That's what he said during the interview. But I, I know, you know, a lot of that rubs the police the wrong way. Would like to see a, I make a stop on an individual. He's carrying a gun illegally, maybe with an extended clip, maybe with a regular clip. He's got 15 bullets in the gun, 16 bullets in the gun, 30 bullets in the gun. I don't want that guy on the street. And when I arrest him and take him to headquarters to the district and we charge him when we book him, we want to see him prosecuted. That's what the police want. And that's what the public wants, I think, at the end of the day, um, because you do see on social media people screaming and hollering about, you know, locking people up who have guns illegally because they know it's going to lead to just what you talked about, a shooting. You know, we all wish that our education system inside of the city was doing a better job. Um, I think that, you know, they're limited. They have resources. I think they're doing the best they can. I mean, we are we are the big city that faces obstacles that that almost no other big city is facing. That's why of the top 10 cities, I think we're at the high, we're at the high point for per capita crime. We have challenges. We have the challenges that Chicago doesn't have with more people. I think they have they have a significantly um, greater economic uh, engine that's running there. Mm -hmm. um, we we're the big city that, that that sometimes gets left behind, and and it's creating a little bit of an atmosphere where where we have these challenges and people are scared and people are demanding a higher level of accountability. So look, cops lock. We we get into this line of this 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 profession because we want to help people. Number one, I mean that's why. A majority of the police officers in the city of Philadelphia took this oath. They want to help people. I want to help people. I am. I have such great admiration for all the cops out there that are out there day in, day, days and nights and answering 911 calls and putting their lives at risk on the line to protect and serve the citizens of this great city. But when they make these arrests, when they go out there and they're confronted with individuals with guns, and and doing other kinds of crimes, they want to they want to know that there's going to be strong prosecution and that those people are going to stay in jail. From for some of them, the bail system they need to be held in custody awaiting trial. Mm. It, it, that's you know the the bail system look has all there's all kinds of things about bail reform. That's a separate discussion that I don't think is 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 appropriate for right now. Right. But people who are committing serious crimes and sometimes the 
having the guns based on their records is it falls into that category. They ought to be held in custody so they're not available to be out there committing other crimes. Okay, let's talk about bail for a second real quick here. Uh, Saturday night, you had a uniformed police officer in southwest Philadelphia working uh, uh, extra hours on duty in uniform stationed outside a nightclub. There was a problem at the nightclub. A guy left the nightclub, came back, allegedly fired shots at the police officer and the security folks there. They fired back. I think two suspects were arrested. Am I right about that? One of them is being held on a million dollars bail, I think. Or do we have not have an arrest yet at, at that point? I, we put the video out. That's right. This video. Excuse me. Yeah. I, I stand corrected. We, we put the video out. Yeah. The video itself is is scary, horrendous. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost breathtaking. Uh, it, it just shows the officer outside of the bar area and the security guard behind him and and, 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 you know, it doesn't lead up to, but there was obviously, as you indicated, a confrontation, something had happened, an argument with a, yep. a patron that had been put out. And the guy returns, and from across the street, you you hear the audio. You yeah. hear the audio. We talk about audio. We talk about the video. You hear the audio. Boom, 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 boom. And it's directed right at the cop, right at the police officer who, yes, he was on duty because he was doing a, a security uh, detail. And the security guard who was doing his job, Unbelievable that nobody got got shocked. And then you watch the police officer without missing a beat. He crosses the street. He runs after this guy who just fired multiple shots at him. Mm. Talk about bravery. Yeah. Um, I I don't know what's in the mind of somebody who is going to open up with multiple shots at a at a uniformed officer at anybody, but let alone at a uniformed officer. It it just takes it's a sense of uh, it's callousness and it's and it's just. So yeah. bad, and it scares all of us. Right, and and I wanted to go at that because uh, you know you, we had this horrible situation in New York last month where two police officers were killed on a domestic violence case. Uh, I think that weekend or in that day, ten police officers were shot around the country. Um, we had the terrible loss of life on I ninety five for the state police uh, yesterday. Heartbreaking, heartbreaking, uh, and a civilian in that case. Uh, there's been an arrest in that case. A young woman is now in custody for that, and. Uh, Mr. Krasner has charged that young woman appropriately for the situation. It was a DUI-related, allegedly, um, situation. And I want to say our thoughts and prayers. I know yours, mine, everybody I know is talking about that. goes out to the troopers, their families, uh, and the state police uh, extended family there. Uh, Just a horrible thing. But what I want to say is um, police officers are getting shot at more often. They're they're the the target of violence more often. and a lot of times, you know, they, they get criticized uh, for what they do. A lot of times they uh, use incredible restraint not to fire back. I think there was a case a couple of weeks ago where one of your officers got fired on multiple times, continued to chase the offender and did not fire back. I mean, to use that level of restraint when somebody is opening fire on you and, and you're pursuing them, that takes a lot of courage. It does. And that's why I talk about my admiration and, and, and the great work that so many of our officers do day in and day out. And to have that restraint when, when faced with some of the circumstances and, and some of the continued challenges that we face, it's, it's really unbelievable. I know that the families of our police officers are worried every day when our police officers put on their uniforms mm-hmm. and they go out and they, they see all the violence happening overall. And, and they got to be thinking, what happens when my loved one confronts that. And the, the, the case you you referenced, um, it's not the only time we've seen some amazing times where where police officers have been in situations where they'd be authorized and justified to use force. But um, for reasons, maybe it's because they're in an area where 
Others might be put in danger if they were to return fire. Mm-hmm. They're showing incredible restraint and, and they're doing their job the way they've been trained. And, and we're really proud of them. Okay. Been uh, scintillating conversations with you uh, two shows here, and I appreciate uh, all the information. Uh, it's nice to know some of the new things the police department is doing to, you know, crack down on the violence problem here in Philadelphia. A lot of people don't know about the efforts that the Philadelphia Police Department is making, and it's it's a great thing. And I appreciate you coming on the show and talking about it so candidly and things like that. And if I I didn't mean to put you in any awkward positions there, but I think you handled it pretty well as you always did and always do. I don't do. know about that, Dave. Uh, I don't have no, a job tomorrow. No, no, no. no you're as a result you're of, fine. No, I do. No, I, I thank you for this and the opportunity. It's and you know I, I I've always been uh, I've always been grateful for uh, our friendship. And uh, you were always a pleasure to work with in the media. And and I think that the ones who were successful followed uh, along the lines. You know, I, I don't mean to tease you, but, you know, there was a there was a reason you were you were titled most connected. Yeah. And uh, it was because you built relationships. And I just want to end my spiel portion by saying that that is a big part of what our job is all about. It's building the relationships mm-hmm. inside the department, outside the department and with the community. Yeah. And as we build those relationships with the community, our city will get safe. Okay. And I appreciate the relationship with you and others in the police department who come on this show and talk candidly about the situations that go on on our streets. Cause the, at the end of the day, we're all about protecting citizens and keeping Philadelphia safe. I love that city. I worked there for a long time and, and I, and I want it to be a better place. And I know you do too. Sure deal. Thanks, Dave. Ben, thanks for joining the show. That's Philly Prime for this week. Thanks again. Come back and join us next time. Take care.